Hi all, my name is Joe, and I like to talk about world events off the beaten track. Covid, Trump and Brexit will only appear where absolutely necessary, and I hope you'll enjoy hearing about some things that most news organisations skip over. I'm offering this to you in a 5WH format, that is what, who, when, where, why and how, widely considered the key questions uh, you need to ask to get a simple, broad understanding from which to launch further investigation. I'm hoping this will give you a well-rounded bottom line upfront view of what's going on and should also stop me vanishing down too many rabbit holes. So what are we talking about today? The Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, or JCPOA, otherwise known as the Iran nuclear deal, is back in the news again. So we're going to slice through some of the waffle and chest thumping to figure out what's actually going on. The JCPOA was one of the highlights of the Obama administration's foreign policy bringing Iran to the negotiating table and compelling it to accept voluntary limits on its nuclear program in exchange for a reduction on the crippling sanctions applied by the West, particularly the United States. The issue specifically relates to alleged breaches of the agreement by Iran and US efforts to snap back or reapply sanctions from which the JCPOA was supposed to apply relief. This would reimpose the heavy multilateral sanctions which were in place prior to the agreement being reached in 2015. The US has been found unable to trigger the snapback provision um, and is similarly unable to compel other parties to reapply those sanctions due to its unilateral exit from the JCPOA in 2018, rendering it unable to exercise any rights granted to parties of that agreement. So who are our key players? Well, we have a few major parties to consider uh, today, all with competing and sometimes counterintuitive motivations. Firstly, and most obviously, we have the United States government. Under President Trump and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who gets kudos for getting name-checked in both of the pods so far, the US has withdrawn from the JCPOA and adopted a hawkish stance on Iran. Due to the US domination of the international financial system, US withdrawal has hamstrung other parties' abilities to meaningfully exploit the benefits of lifting their sanctions and fully implementing and receiving the benefits of the JCPOA. We then have the so-called E3 countries, the E standing for European, and these consist of Britain, Germany and France. Their position here is uh, broadly pro-JCPOA, um, viewing continued engagement with negotiation and a slow normalisation of relations with Iran as the best method of avoiding further conflict in the region. They're wary of being cast as tacitly approving of Iran's breaches of the agreement, but similarly oppose the US's unilateral exit uh, from what is outside of the US, seen as one of the most meaningful successes in the region. Lastly, but absolutely not least, we have Iran. Ultimately, the nation at the heart of the JCPOA, the Iranian regime has a strained relationship with the US and European powers. Frankly, this is understandable given the UK and the US funded coups against its first elected government in the mid-20th century, and sables have been ratted ever since. So now we come on to when. Um, exact details of the timeline. Don't need to get too fussy with a lot of politicking has been going on um broadly speaking chronological order the uh the united states have been heckling iran about the jcpoa since their departure from it in 2018. more recently at the start of this year uh, around january the e3 powers uh, first raised a formal complaint with the un by the jcpoa indicating that they sought to take action against alleged breaches by iran particularly with regards to uranium enrichment. 
the US has been uh, raising the prospect of triggering snapback since then, coming to a head in early August when the US failed in uh, imposing additional sanctions on Iran and stated that having failed to pass that motion, it would switch to triggering the snapback as its alternative strategy. At the moment, while US uh, arguments have been rejected by other members, uh, other parties to the agreement, if the US seeks to act as if it has unilaterally snapped back, we can expect it to impose these sanctions uh, to Iran over the coming weeks from, uh, as the JCPOA allowed an approximately 30-day period from triggering the snapback to sanctions being imposed. So we're coming on to where. Um, I'm not really sure this is relevant for this topic, particularly as uh, Google Maps will tell you where Iran is with much greater accuracy and clarity than I can verbally. What I guess we need to take from it, however, is that Iran is a central player in the region, uh, broadly speaking, the Middle East, uh, a region in which both the US and European powers have extensive historical, economic and military interests, and it has frequently cast itself as a counterweight to the West in many of those regional conflicts. So this is where things get a bit convoluted. We're coming on to the why. Um, as I've previously indicated, Europeans raised a complaint regarding the JCPOA in January. We'll come on to that shortly. However, the immediate trigger for the US efforts to uh, trigger the snapback appears to be the imminent expiry of a separate UN arms embargo on Iran, which is due to expire in mid-October 2020. Ultimately, the reimposition of the 2015 sanctions regime would reimpose sufficient sanctions as to make the expiry of this arms embargo irrelevant, uh, and therefore their failure to extend it irrelevant. More cynically, however, hawkishness on Iran has been one of President Trump's few stable foreign policy positions, and it's thought to play well with this electoral base. Given the US presidential election coming in November, it would be foolish to rule out domestic political motivation for his efforts against Iran. As I alluded to earlier, um, the US may actually have reasonably expected some support from other signatories of the JCPO on the basis of the fact that Iran has recently taken actions in breach of the deal. Um, as I alluded, the UK, France and Germany entered a formal dispute uh, against Iran in January due to its non-compliance with the limitations on the enrichment of uranium. Uh, this is not something Iran's denied particularly hard. I've in recent weeks, it's openly stated its intent to open a new and enlarged enrichment facility, um, which is a, complete, a completely non-covert attempt to avoid the limitation of the JCPOA. This complaint by the European powers could in itself result in triggering the snapback. However, their ability to trigger that is due to their continued compliance with the agreement themselves. Put bluntly, Despite Iran's breach of the deal, it is not surprising that they're not keen to take lessons on compliance with agreements from a country which, which unilaterally withdrew from the agreement it is now trying to beat Iran with. Um, this matters for fairly fundamental reasons. It demonstrates that parties in international uh, debates and in international policy cannot have their cake and eat it. You can't storm out of a deal due to alleged flaws in the agreement and then seek to rely upon the terms of that agreement as if you were still a member. A certain other English-speaking country is about to learn that quite hard as well. We've also got a few other considerations to bring in here. Had the US been successful in either extending the ongoing arms embargo or snapping back 2015 sanctions, the benefits would likely have been short-lived. 
While Iran's rhetoric has suggested a willingness to breach the JCPOA, it has broadly held up its side of the agreement despite US pressures. If this ceases to be the case, however, the Iranian regime would have no incentive to apply even lip service to the agreement and would likely resume its nuclear enrichment activities, leading on simply to another Iranian crisis. It, this in turn would likely lead to a nuclear and conventional arms race throughout the region. Iran is broadly opposed by both Israel and the Gulf Arab states. The renewed prospect of a nuclear-capable Iran would simply drive its regional rivals to develop systems in turn to counter it. Ironically, were these events to occur, it would likely force the US to seek a new JCPOA uh, if it you know, still maintained its foreign policy objective of preventing Iran from attaining nuclear weapons. Its only other option would be to ignore Iran's breach or to engage in a bloody armed conflict in the face of Trump's recent rhetoric selling himself as a pseudo-pacifist. Given the breach of trust exhibited by withdrawal in 2018, negotiating a second JCPOA would almost certainly be a hard sell, having fundamentally undermined not only the basis of international sanctions, but also the rules-based international order which form a prerequisite for those agreements. So now we get on to the how and a few of the other sort of details that fall out of this. Broadly, this happened because the US sought a UN Security Council motion extending the arms embargo on the 14th of August 2020, but was defeated quite humiliatingly by two votes against and 11 abstentions, with the only other country on the council supporting the US position being the Dominican Republic, which I'm no offence to any uh, Dominican Republic residents or citizens listening, is hardly a international superpower. Having failed to achieve this objective, the US immediately switched to seeking a motion to engage the snapback clause. The JCPOA is endorsed by a Security Council resolution, uh, 2231, and includes a clause enabling parties to reimpose these measures without being susceptible to veto by one of the permanent members, thus essentially steering around the issue it has faced with the extension of the other set of sanctions. You'll notice, however, the key point here is that participants in the JCPOA may exercise those rights. Uh, by definition, in the, in the clause of the JCPOA, the US is listed as a participant. However, it unilaterally withdrew in 2018, despite being warned by all other parties that this would essentially destroy its ability to directly influence the agreement. And this position has since been upheld by, the, by other parties of the UN. So, looking further, what we've got to consider is that whereas there is no mechanism to uh, prevent the US unilaterally imposing its own sanctions against Iran, um, conversely, the opposite it kind of does exist. The US dominance of the international financial system means that should the US opt to unilaterally impose sanctions, other countries will find themselves obliged to do so in order that they themselves are not breaching sanctions in turn. Um, as, as the vast majority of financial transactions go through the United States and therefore can at some point in their processing come under US jurisdiction. So ultimately, we might wind up with the negative results of the US having success in killing JCPOA, despite every other party to the agreement and the UN as a whole uh, disagreeing with their approach to this issue. To wrap it all up, I guess, I've got to say that it's highly unlikely we've heard of the last JCPOA this year. 
while the US appears to have fundamentally undermined any commitment to multilateralism, further damaged its international reputation by these actions, its sheer economic muscle may allow it to achieve at least part of its desired result. The outstanding question from that then is whether the US administration will regret wishing for this outcome. Um, and that wraps up for today. Uh, if you'd like to hear more, please like, follow, or review as appropriate. And I look forward to seeing you all again soon. Thank you. Thank you.